Welcome back to the Digital Dive Podcast. My name is Darsh Kathani. I am one of your co-hosts. I'm Jacqueline Dallas, another one of your co-hosts. In this week's episode, we talk about the streaming landscape, Carl Pay's new wireless earbuds, the Insta360 Dispo, and a bunch of other tech topics. Roll the intro. So Jacqueline, did you hear about Disney Plus and the fact that it surpassed 100 million subscribers this week? That's actually insane. It's incredible. Like think about this, right? Like Netflix, for example, took forever to hit 100 million subscribers. It was like, it was a very long way to like, get up there. Disney Plus has been out, I believe for what, a year? It's incredible to see how far it's come in such a small time. And even more so the fact of all of its individual Disney Plus original series that have now been offered. It's incredible. I actually use Disney Plus a lot. Maybe that's because I'm a Marvel fanboy. But Jacqueline, are you a huge fan of Disney Plus? So they did a couple documentaries or I I think they actually did one with Taylor Swift. So I actually watched it for that. It was called the Long Pond Sessions and it was basically like her like live recording every single song off Folklore. Mm-hmm. And it was like super well produced. But I also was recommended the series High School Musical, the musical, the series, which is like the take on High School Musical. <laughs> the TV show, So like, right? I watched it for like the nostalgia. Yeah. But I think it's really interesting to look at like the streaming landscape as a whole because Disney Plus kind of has this unique position where unfortunately because of the pandemic, no one's really going to movie theaters anymore. So they kind of released at this time where everyone was looking for new things to watch watching new things to stream and I think it actually like really like made their growth a lot faster but Netflix also laid the groundwork so while it took Netflix much longer to hit 100 million they did a lot of the hard work that needed to be figured out like the technology to make streaming possible at that high quality etc and now we're going to see a bunch of like players come in like Disney Plus or NBC's new streaming service that are just going to like kind of like quote unquote like rip off what Netflix did but put their own spin on it and then grow like pretty fast I don't know for you like in terms of user experience do you find the Disney Plus user experience better than Netflix or is it just that you like the content better on Disney Plus. So in the actual like entertainment landscape as a whole, there's there's a couple of just knowns. And one of the knowns is just that Disney owns like everything. There's a couple of big companies and they all own a ton of the different channels and production companies in Hollywood and just I guess around the world. And Disney being one of them means that they own a ton of rights to a ton of different shows, movies, and stuff like that. For me, I find myself switching to Disney Plus just to refer to different things now because for one, I'm starting to get into Family Guy as a TV show. My roommates and I, that's one of like our one of the shows that we'll watch at night before we like cap off for the night we just go to bed so it's been a really cool experience watching on disney plus because disney plus has every single season in canada versus netflix which only has i think the most recent 10 disney plus has all 20 it's stuff like that where i'm very intrigued by it and the user experience isn't much of what makes it different for me it's just more so i guess the content that it's offered but i do have to say this disney did kill it when it came to that ui where it has everything broken down by channel by production company and by overall like series because now i can sit down i can watch disney's planet earth to its entirety just by clicking on one playlist and i can just sit down and watch it or I can watch all the Marvel movies in sequential order which Jacqueline you have to do I'm sorry this is just a side thing for two seconds you need to watch Marvel movies more I think everyone in the audience will agree with me on that one this may be actually kind of lame I didn't realize that they had every single Marvel movie which it feels obvious that I should have realized that but now I'll actually watch it I watched like Endgame a while ago but I never had watched like the movies preceding it so like I did not feel the same attachment to the storyline but it's kind of cool like if you get a Disney Plus subscription it's really not that expensive and you get access to so many different types of shows and it's not just shows for kids either like I think a lot of times we like we associate Disney with like young kids shows but they kind of like have a plethora of different things that run the gamut because they're like the parent company no they're the parent company and I actually don't know if you know this or if you saw this but I'm pretty sure how much your mother is switching over to Disney plus too because it is also owned by a Disney run channel really I've been watching it on Amazon Prime actually Ooh, so that's another thing interesting about streaming services is because they don't have the copyright for the shows in every single country so where you watch things will vary country to country mostly if you'll find it on a streaming service in one country you'll find it on another streaming source in another 
But for example, with How Much Your Mother, you just mentioned for you, it's it's on Amazon Prime. For me, it's on Disney Plus and Netflix. Yeah. And so it's very interesting to see that. It may be on Disney Plus also. I haven't actually checked. So I feel like right now the main players in the landscape are Netflix, obviously, and Disney Plus, Amazon Prime Video, Peacock. Peacock. Never heard of that one. That's like where The Office is now going to be on. Oh, okay. But The Office is going to HBO. I think it's NBC. feel like it is because I think that they own the show. Maybe they licensed it to HBO as well. But streaming companies kind of came out to prevent what was happening with TV where like you had a million different places to get all your content like streaming services were supposed to be like okay you can get it all in one but now since everyone has like different licensing agreements on different tv shows it's kind of getting split up again so you still need to get multiple streaming services in order to watch everything you want to watch yeah it's expensive what streaming services do you have like i have netflix amazon prime video and disney plus i have netflix amazon prime that comes with this my amazon membership which is actually very very convenient because a student membership is five bucks for me a month wow and i get amazon music amazon prime video and amazon prime just like, generally damn and I think I also get Amazon Prime like online storage too. If you're a student, it's a great time to subscribe to things. Just saying. Yeah. We have Disney Plus and I think we had a brief subscription to Crave, which is a Canadian streaming service that was, it's pretty much our equivalent of HBO Max. If you want HBO in Canada, like you have to buy it and get it through an external add-on subscription to Crave, which is a Bell run streaming service. So that's what, I feel like that kind of ties back into your point about there are so many different places to stream now. You end up spending, I would argue, more than you'd probably spend on traditional cable. But there's the convenience factor of being able to watch whatever you want whenever you want and it's never about waiting for when it's going to be airing on tv that's totally valid like i don't even know any channel numbers now it's actually bizarre i remember old channel numbers like channel numbers i used to watch when i was a kid if you're in canada if you're in ontario channel 51 family channel that was my go-to we didn't have disney here we only had family so we had to watch family channel really yeah disney and nickelodeon were like the shows that i watched all the time mm-hmm. now iCarly is on a streaming service oh, iCarly coming back oh yeah but i think that the old one is either on netflix or amazon prime i saw it on prime i had i i, I know here we have it on Prime. Interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting that it differs country to country. And I think a lot of times when people are like pitching a VPN in like a sponsorship, they're like, oh, just change. Like the VPN will help you watch a plethora of different things on Netflix. I think that's actually against the terms and service of Netflix. It is. You can get banned actually for, for doing that. I'm glad that all the YouTubers are recommending that then. Oh my gosh. No, literally. So TLDR, if, if you are a an individual who is trying to use a streaming platform and is trying to use a VPN to trick it to watch movies in different countries, don't do it because you can get your account banned for life like it's because it's a huge copyright issue for whoever the streaming service is right so not a huge fan of that not me at least i actually have never used a vpn i want to for my own like security but i don't plan on ever using it for like netflix i feel like i have enough streaming services which is very very it's not a problem i should be complaining about but i have all the streaming services so i don't really need to worry about the vpns yeah youtube has its own like youtube tv now which is like not a streaming service but it's built into youtube and then they also have a lot of free movies on the platform surprisingly a lot of free movies i've actually watched a lot of stuff recently on there but yeah it's going to be interesting to see kind of like this evolution and I think that there's also eventually going to be a streaming service run by creators like we saw Quibi which is like an absolute failure. That flopped so quick. Just terrible. Yeah. They had so much money and it just like everything was bad about it. So there's like Hooked which is another like streaming service but I think eventually creators are going to kind of come together and create like a streaming service of sorts and it will be really interesting to see that. Right now we're seeing Carl Pei. This is like the worst transition ever but I'm just going to roll with it. Go for it. Carl Pei who is like super active in the tech community was part of OnePlus has ventured off and created his own company called Nothing. And his whole thing is that technology should disappear and be in the background. With streaming services, I feel like now that was the initial goal with streaming services. This is the connection that I'm trying to make. It was to like be in the background and just like watch whatever you want. But now there's so many that it's hard to know. Like you often have to check multiple to find the show that you want. Carl Pay wants technology to fade into the background. And we saw an early sneak peek at wireless earbuds that he's coming out with. And I wanted to just kind of see what you think about it. It's a really interesting design that may happen. The Verge like got an exclusive look at this and they did like a mock-up. So I wanted to see Darsh, what'd you think? 
here's the thing about the mock-up. I think it looks cool, and I think it's something that I would personally just wear because I feel like it's just so out there. I've personally just recently become really out there with my fashion. I feel like earbuds are very much a fashion sense. Anyone who tells you that earbuds or headphones are not a fashion accessory, like you're wrong. I, I apologize. The way that Carl Pate did this, I feel like was really well done. But the fact that this isn't even going to be an end product, we don't know where this is going to end up being. I don't know if I can say full wholeheartedly, like I'm excited for it yet because I don't know what it's going to look like. Spokesperson actually came out and said that the concept one end product will look different, but the design philosophy in and of itself is going to be very similar. So that has me questioning, what do they plan on changing? Because it's a very, I think this is just a funny pun. It's a very transparent design. They're very honest and upfront with what's inside. <laughs> if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, just Google Carl Pay, nothing wireless earbuds. You'll see what I mean. <laughs> it's it's literally just a transparent earbud. I kind of want like transparent tech to like make a comeback. Oh, 100%. I love the way it looks, but I'm actually kind of disappointed that it's going to look different and that they said that this may not even actually become like the final product because I think it looks really clean. Mm -hmm. It's also interesting to think about what makes certain tech companies succeed and what makes other ones fail because the tech niche is really hard to get into because you have so many upfront costs that you don't necessarily have in other businesses. Not only do you need customer support, marketing, a supply chain, etc., but with a tech company in specific, you also need to pay for all these like technology supplies and you have to develop software and all these other things that other like shoe companies would not need to think about. We're seeing like some smaller tech companies come in, but a lot of the time they fail. For example, Carl Pay's Nothing just bought Essential, which is like this company that tried to make a smartphone and it failed. There was a lot of problematic stuff with the people that owned Essential. But what do you think like makes certain companies succeed like a OnePlus or a Xiaomi and other ones fail? Is it the fact that their parent companies are much bigger and they have the money? Or do you think it's like this general idea of like brand awareness and the fact that their customers like hardcore fans and really relate to the brand? I think it's a bit of both. So like OnePlus, for example, was really, really standout for two things for me. This is this is just my, my opinion on why it was standout. One, it was the invite system. You couldn't buy this phone unless someone gave you an invite to go buy it. So that exclusivity behind it gathered all this hype. And in the tech space, especially, there's a lot of hype around new products, especially ones that are a limited edition that you can't get your hands on. OnePlus, by doing that, first and foremost, I felt was one of the differentiating factors. And then for another, being backed by a big company in China where they were able to pretty much fund everything and they were able to pull patent ideas and pull things from different companies that that parent company owns. I believe the parent company is Xiaomi that owns OnePlus. For it being able to do that, that in and of itself, I feel like is one of the reasons why it was able to succeed. So it was the fact that you could only get it and it was so exclusive. So that built up a lot of hype around it to so the brand awareness. And that eventually ended up developing a cult following, especially with marketing and branding around being a flagship killer, which no one had seen because skyrocketing prices for phones were increasing for so long. And OnePlus just kind of stood in and was like, no, I want to offer a good, very high end product for a low price for my consumers. I'm going to make it so that people who want to buy it can only buy it if they have an invite. And I can do this because I have tons of money in the bank from my rich parent company that's backing this. That's one of the reasons and probably in my opinion, why OnePlus was so successful. And I wouldn't be surprised if a bunch of other tech companies have had a similar story to that. I think that's just generally really interesting. Jacqueline, what, what do you think really does make a successful like startup happen? I think the invite system is definitely part of it. I mean, we've seen other like digital companies adopt that like Clubhouse or Dispo, which we're going to be talking about in a little bit. They kind of use the invite system to build up hype. And it also means that especially with like a software company, when you're invited to the service, you already have someone else that's already in the community. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with OnePlus. Like if your friend just bought the new phone, now you really want it. Like they invite you because they have an invite from buying the phone. And now you're part of this community. And I think that a lot of companies like don't understand the value of a community in the sense of like, not only should they feel connected to the brand, but the people in the community should feel connected to each other. And that really helps it become like a cult type following. And OnePlus has done an incredible job with like events and stuff that they've had around the world for launching it. They're one of the few companies that actually invited fans to like the launch events alongside YouTubers. So 
not only could the fans like be connected to the phone and like have this experience that only press gets, but a lot of the time the fans were also fans of YouTubers. OnePlus would facilitate this ability to meet one of your favorite YouTubers. And then of course now you have an emotional connection to OnePlus. So I think that they've done a lot of really smart things to build up this emotional tie between them and their customer. But I don't think that that's necessarily the thing that like defines success every time. Like if we look at a company like Samsung, I would say that like, yeah, they have a really big following, but it's a different type of following. Mm -hmm. Apple's following is based on like prestige and the fact that they've really built up this brand reputation of like being the best and most expensive and like premium. There's so many factors. I think fundamentally you need to have a really good product, period. If your product's bad, you're screwed. Even if you eventually build up some hype, it's not going to sustain. But I also think that you need to have a really good sense of community building and marketing. Like how do you market this product so it gets popular? I think a lot of the new companies are really going to have to rely on YouTube marketing. I think that that actually plays a huge role. Like Marquez and all these other people. 100%. Marquez is the first person I heard about the OnePlus phone from and then Matt Schaefer was like the second. Mm -hmm. They kind of like built up this hype where it became like a staple of the tech community. So I think that that's also going to play a huge role. See, that's the thing. That's what I think is the differentiating factor between a company like OnePlus and a company like Essential. Essential had a lot of potential, but their inability to market towards the masses was kind of where their downfall was. And I feel like Carl Pay now with his venture, with going into nothing as a brand, he sees this and he's like, okay, so I want to take some things from OnePlus where we were able to build up this hype behind everything. And I feel like him in and of itself, like his name brings hype to the product, which I think is going to be good, but he has to be able to deliver. OnePlus was always able to deliver. Essential wasn't able to deliver. They offered modular pieces coming to the devices. They flopped on that. That never happened. So all that hype, all that momentum that they built up all fell off and we're like, okay, now we're left with a phone that looks really cool and that was supposed to be future kind of tech and it's kind of falling behind. But then that kind of brings up like a new question of like when it comes to new tech, how much can we really expect from like a concept or from the very beginnings of an idea? For something like this, just I guess to close out the earbuds, this earbuds are going to be are going to look really, really cool, but I'm waiting for a final product, a final design we can fully analyze and look at. A final design kind of like the Insta360's brand new camera they just announced, fully functional, it is fully done and designed and it is available for purchase soon, which means that we can actually look at it and talk about it a little more. So Jacqueline, did you see the Insta360 go to? It's a $299 action camera. What are your thoughts? First, I just gotta say, Mr. Who's a Boss freaking crushed the video. Like I think everyone's videos were incredible, but his video was so freaking good. Like it was everything done right with a sponsored video. Mm-hmm. It was not a review. It was truthful. He still pointed out flaws, but it was so well paced. Just props to Aaron. Like it was so freaking good. Oh my gosh. No, yeah. Arun, Arun kills it every time. That will be the video video that I will link below. Our friends, the TMS guys also made a video. They did a really good job. For anyone that doesn't know, it's like this $299 mini camera. It's actually really interesting. I think everyone kind of had a different take. So the TMS guys used it for FPV drones. Mm -hmm. Instead of like a GoPro, they use that instead because it's lighter. So the battery life of a drone would be better since it doesn't weigh the drone down as much. Peter McKinnon used it as like a camera to get like unique angles. Like he put it on a pool table and then like would shoot like the ball right at the camera to get like this really unique angle. That's a cool idea. Right? Isn't that so And then Mr. Who's the Boss took a completely different approach and said like, this is like a smartphone gadget that can record every single moment of your life because it's so small and it has this pendant so it can go right on your chest magnetically. And then the software will automatically edit together like the things that you take. So like you could record like two hours of your day and then it will edit it together into like a 30 second video, like to music, to the beat, craziness. There's a little sign. It reminds me of the HTC. I used to have the HTC One, the M7, I believe was the actual name for it. The HTC One was the first generation and it actually had that feature where 
where you would take videos from your day and they would put it together in a cool little montage for you. Just a little bit of uh, nostalgia for you, for anyone, for any old HTC fans, because I know we haven't seen a phone from HTC in a while. Yeah, I think like Flip used to do like editing maybe. I could totally be making that up, mm-hmm. but I feel like I remember that. But yeah, it's really interesting. As cameras get smaller and smaller, I don't think it's unrealistic to think that eventually we'll be recording a large part of our day, mm-hmm. which brings up like these privacy implications, like how are these videos managed if they're in like the cloud and the software's analyzing to edit it together. And also like, I keep going back to this book that I read called The Circle, but you saw the movie of it. I watched the movie, yeah. The premise of it was basically like the cameras get so good that everyone's wearing a camera all the time and they're documenting every part of their life and there's no privacy anymore. And that scares the hell out of me and I don't think it's unrealistic to think that eventually we'll see a movement of a lot of people using these cameras and live streaming their whole day. We talked about this a little bit last week or the week before when we talked about Snapchat Spectacles. And if you guys haven't heard of that episode, go check out that episode. What are you doing? It was a fantastic episode. A lot of you guys loved it. But no, you're right. There's huge privacy concerns. There have been privacy concerns. And honestly, I don't even know where I stand on it because I don't know if I want to stand being recorded. And I think one of the cool things about Spectacles actually was the fact that it had the circular LED light around the camera so you knew when it was on. But that's not mainstream information. I feel like a lot of people don't know that if they weren't into the tech space. But the go-to seems really, really cool. And I think it could be super, super cool on an FPV. I actually haven't seen that TMS video, but I will go watch it because I want to see it on an FPV drone. It actually is really cool also because the way it shoots video, it's actually a little taller than like standard video and it's a little wider too, which means that you can actually reframe the shot. So like, let's say it's on your neck and you're just like going through your day and you grab a cold brew from the fridge. Of course, a cold brew. Yeah, right. But it's misframed a little bit and like the top of the drink is cut out. You can actually just reframe it in post without having to like crop in or lose any quality since it's taller. That's actually pretty dope. Right? Isn't that really cool? And also like Peter McKinnon was saying, and I think this is really true like a lot of people have this fear of filming in public like if they're vloggers or something this camera is so unobtrusive yeah the quality is worse but it's really really cool and you can also just get so many unique perspectives with it like i could totally see just wearing this and like filming my day for like a video like day in the life and having like not bringing around a giant camera to everything i do that would be dope i think that this is a really interesting device and for a little bit more context for those who are listening who don't know what the hell we're talking about i'll just give you a little bit of a rundown so it's essentially a vertical portrait style like portrait i guess looking camera it looks almost bigger than a tick TikTok, quite a bit bigger than a TikTok, but it looks like a TikTok in shape. And it's like, it's like a thumb almost. Yeah, it's like a thumb. It has a quarter inch thread on it for supporting mounting. So you can mount it to whatever has a quarter inch thread. USB-C port for charging. Thank you. Insta360. The camera itself has a 30 minute charge on it, but it has 150 minutes available when you put it in its charging case, which looks like an AirPods Pro case. The casing is not waterproof, but it is IPX8 water resistant for up to 13 feet underwater. And it also has three camera mounts, a pivot stand, a hat brim clip, and a pendant that are all included in the box and all mounted. I think it's pretty good. And the coolest thing I think about this camera is the fact that it's just a camera. It's just really unintrusive and you can take it about your day and you don't have to worry about it. But there are other cameras that you carry with you every single day. One of those things being your phone. And David Dobrik actually, the big, big, big YouTuber decided to come out with a social media app and that app being Dispo. Now Dispo is a literally a disposable camera, but in an app that allows you to look at the pictures the next day at 9 a.m. So they're processing. And then at that point you can add them to your feed and post about them like you would, I guess, on Instagram. Jacqueline, what are, your, what are your thoughts on Dispo? I kind of just moved on from Insta360, but what are your thoughts on Dispo? That was perfect. No, I'm so impressed, guys. You couldn't see me, but I was like literally just like shocked. Like that was a freaking A1 transition. So I'll give a little context of like my relationship to Dispo as a like kind of a disclosure. I'm still going to give my honest thoughts, but Ella, who is working at Dispo and with David Dobrik is actually a really good friend of mine. I met her many years ago working on a project with Samsung and then she switched over and was working at 368, which is my friend Casey's company, Casey Neistat, which I'm sure a lot of you guys love him, <laughs> as do I. 
she was working there. So I saw her like on a near weekly basis for a really long time. Any time I went to an event there. And now she just recently got this new job with David Dobrik and Dispo. So I was like on an early version or like a couple days earlier to when the app actually went public testing it out and stuff. So I'm still going to give my honest thoughts here, but I just felt like I should just give a little context to it. But Dispo basically is like almost in a way like kind of what Beam was by Casey, where it's like, we want you to be able to document your life, but live in the moment. So the way Dispo works is you take a photo and you can barely see it. It's like super small. So you can't really see your face enough to be like, oh, I look pretty here or I don't look good here or, oh, I would like to frame it differently. It's kind of just like capturing it just for the moment in the same way disposable was. And then the photo is put in like the vault and you cannot see it or access it at all until 9 a.m. the following morning. Then it unlocks. And also just to give a couple more context to the app, they work on something called roles. So you can have like different roles. So for example, I could have like a role for like my friends. Like let's say that we go out to like a party or something. And Darsh, I actually think that this would be really cool like for our age group and even older. Like mm-hmm. if you go out to a party or something, you can add people to the role. So like you could add like, let's say you're in a group of six friends. Everyone could be on the role and you can all take a bunch of photos and stuff to document the night. And then the next morning, the morning after, you can look at all like everything you did that night. And it's really cool actually. And it can be private and just to those group of friends. You can have another role just for yourself and then you can have a public role as well. So I think there actually is a really prime market here for people to, if they're at like a party or they're in college or even like older, just to document an event and then share it with your friends. And the way David Dobrik actually pitched it, which I thought was freaking genius, like the campaign video, him looking like an 80 year old or like even older, like he got like old face makeup and stuff, Mm -hmm. like old mad makeup. And then he was like looking back at all the pictures of like now, but it made it look like he was in the future of like hanging out with his friends and stuff. And it was kind of just like, you get these memories, but you don't worry about like how you look or the filters or trying to make it like look good on a timeline. And the goal is not to take the photos and then repurpose them for Instagram. The way they're building it is very much a social media app. Like I think that they want you to stay on the app. So they're building it out to be more like a social media app. And I actually think that everything you've said is pretty in line with just kind of what I was expecting. I haven't had a much chance to play with it. I've been on Dispo for I think over a week now, maybe two weeks. I've enjoyed like the ideas behind it. I enjoy using it, but I feel like it's kind of an interesting platform for me because I don't have a ton of friends on it yet. And I'm waiting for people to pick it up and start start being adopted. It reminds me a lot of an app called Huji. It's an app I've actually used for the past couple of years and it's similar in design. It's like using a disposable camera and you get these almost like a standard set Huji filter. You get all your pictures and it's like a disposable camera. And Dispo reminds me a lot of that. The last thing I want to say is that the app design is really good. So although there are similar applications with it, the way they designed it feels like you're actually shooting on a disposable camera. And when you open up the app, they show you like a animation of opening up a box and getting a disposable camera. It's really cool. All your roles look like disposable. Like everything is really well done. So congratulations to the team on an incredible launch. And I actually genuinely think that it has the potential to take on major other social media apps because you have David Dobrik's like expertise and genius of running this application and marketing it and his whole platform. But then you also have like this really good idea and everyone moving to a world now since unfortunately we've been all like in for like a year now when the pandemic eventually hopefully ends everyone's going to want to be going out and like documenting their life and stuff so this perfect time to do it if you guys want to follow us on dispo my at is at nbt jacqueline and darsh yours is at darsh katani same as my twitter instagram and i'm pretty sure literally every single social media app i have so dispo i think it's just going to be an interesting app as a whole let let us know guys if you guys are currently using it let us know what you guys think take some pictures share them with us we'd love to see what you guys got maybe take some cool pictures of espresso i do that all the time and i put it on my twitter feed so if you guys want to check that out go follow me on twitter also go follow jacqueline on twitter and then go follow our digital dive twitter <laughs> she's gonna do i'm gonna give you guys a 10 second to 20 second break go follow all of our social media accounts while we go get coffee and take a quick break and we'll be right back All right, welcome back from the break. Darsh, what do you think about the self-flying drones in Ghana delivering the COVID-19 vaccine 
And what do you think this means like for our future in terms of delivery as a whole with drones? So, okay, so there's a couple of things. I think drones are so cool. And I am very, 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 very upset with the Canadian government for making it mandatory for you to get your pilot's license to actually fly a drone in Canada now. Wow. Yeah, whole thing. I, I was thinking about buying a drone and I can't because I don't want to get a license. COVID-19 has been a huge issue for everyone. Unless you've been living under a rock and you literally haven't known what's going on for the past year, I really suggest you get outside. <laughs> you just take a look around. <laughs> actually, maybe don't go outside. Maybe just Google it. COVID-19 is a very prominent vaccine that has taken the world by a storm and has resulted in many of us sitting and doing Zoom calls, recording podcasts with our friends across the world. One of the ways that Ghana actually plans on distributing vaccines is through, I believe it's just a it's a, it's a self-flying drone. It's basically meant to help deliver vaccines around the country itself quicker so it's not being shipped, it's rather just being flown. And these are self-flying drones in and of itself. I think it's really, really cool. And apparently the company that actually did this, it was a US firm, Zipline, which initially started querying blood and drugs in Rwanda in 2016. But since then, they actually expanded its operations to Ghana and the US, and they've been delivering PPE in North Carolina last year. And now Ghana's government is using it to share the vaccines across the country. I think this is sick. I think this is so cool. And I thought it was just a really cool standard I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. Full disclosure, like Josh and I are not health experts, so we don't like know anything, but it's just our opinion on it. The COVID-19 vaccine inequity has like been super disappointing to see because unless the pandemic ends everywhere, it doesn't end anywhere. We need everyone to get vaccines in all parts of the world. So it's been cool to see that this is like one step closer to getting getting vaccines to places that haven't been getting vaccines in the same way that like the United States or Canada is. So I'm super excited to see it. I also think it bigger and less important picture. Eventually our Amazon deliveries could be coming via drone and what that means. It's a possibility, right? That's That's been a possibility. People have been talking about this for years. They're like, oh yeah, Amazon's got the tech. They're going to pull out a bunch of drones and start delivering our boxes to our drone. And I think that is fantastic. It easily could. It, it would be really cool, honestly, like if that means that getting packages faster happens, like if you can order the same day and a drone just like drops it off for you. That would be really cool. I think there's a lot of potential for that. So so I'm mm-hmm. super excited to kind of see it. I think it's really cool that they're trying to use like technology to help end this crisis. There's honestly not much more to say about it. I think it was just an interesting conversation like to bring up about the fact that like self-flying drones actually exist now. I think about like a dystopian society where there are self-flying drones that are coming out and scanning our faces and being like, why are you not inside? It's the pandemic. And you're like, oh shoot, <laughs> this is very close to reality. <laughs> I'm just filled with jokes. I'm just having a great, it's so sunny today. I'm just having a great time. I mean, it was just raining. It was just thunderstorming outside my window, but now it's sunny again. Anywho, I'm all over the place. Sorry, guys. When it comes to these drones, I think what I find is really interesting is the fact that for one, there's no traffic if you're in the air, right? You're flying a drone. It's a self-flying drone. It's flying over whatever is going on below and it's going at over hundred kilometers an hour, meaning that you're going to get on average 30 to 40 minutes between destinations and you'll be able to drop off hundreds of vaccines. Oh, wait, never mind. I'm looking at numbers. 4,500 doses in a single day through 36 different deliveries because it's not taking so long long to be shipped by land, it's actually able to have passive refrigeration, think more of like an ice box than a refrigerator to transfer these vaccines around, which though this is a new technology and it is really cool to see in action right now, there are two sides of it that I'm concerned about. One of which being dystopian society where I am stuck in my house, literally, yo, 1984, that movie, that book scared me straight. I'm so scared. That's a reality. But then also another reality is Amazon box, the Amazon packages being delivered. I dream of a world where there's a big box outside of everyone's building or in everyone's neighborhood where an Amazon drone will come drop off packages into that box. That box will analyze and scan each of them, put them into different compartments, and then you go and you put in your specific code and you can pick up your package. I am waiting for that day. That'd be so freaking sick. Yeah, that is awesome. I would actually love that. Amazon, if you use this, I I will see you in court in a couple of years. (laughs) No, dude, the thing is like behind the scenes, they've probably been working on this for like 10 years and then like we're just like coming out and being like, oh, unique idea. Oh, 100%. But Amazon is also pioneering other areas where they're actually expanding their palm recognition payment tech to more 
of its locations. And I think that this is actually really cool. The biotech methods of like getting into a phone or getting into other technology is really kind of opening up. But I think face recognition is a really cool one. But unfortunately for the time being, because of face masks and stuff, it's kind of rendered less useful. Mm -hmm. And this is a really cool thing. It basically lets customers pay in shops by scanning their palms. They're actually expanding it to more stores in the Seattle area. I'm kind of excited to see it. I think it's a really cool idea and it looked kind of futuristic as well that it's just like able to scan your palm. I think it's really cool. Like if you think about it for years, we've always had fingerprint reading technology and it's cool because it's kind of like an advancement in that, right? So we've had fingerprint, we had face ID, which I, I still don't know necessarily how safe face ID is if you wanted to use it on like a scale like this where Amazon is. So if you guys weren't aware, Amazon actually has stores now, like grocery stores and bookstores and all these different stores. And in these stores now, it's giving the opportunity within your Amazon One account or the One system, you can input your palm and you can pay through those forms. Given because it's COVID, I don't know necessarily how safe that is. It actually works where your palm is above the scanner. So you never actually have to put it on because that was my initial thought too, where I was like, damn, like this is going to like just be a COVID super spreader. Everyone's putting their palm on the same machine. Oh, I completely missed that. But you actually just like levitate your palm above it and then it scans it. Kind of really cool for COVID. Completely misread that. I thought it was you had to put your finger, your, your thing on it. It was scanning the individual. It's saying essentially, are we scanning the veins and the patterns on your palm to help identify you as an individual? And I think that is really cool because similar to how your fingerprint is unique and different for each person, your palm print is also, and your palm print will constantly vary by person to person. So I think this is going to be really, really cool. I personally have always wanted to go to an Amazon store and just like the grocery store, for example, is really cool where you walk in, you just grab things and you just leave. So cool. They have one, I think in Seattle, I'm assuming because that's where their headquarters are. Yeah. And I think they have one in New York too. Cause I think I saw Sam Sheffer. Sam Sheffer. Yeah. yeah. He posted a video I saw on it. Too. Those are really, really cool experiences that I think are really, really dope for everyone, I guess, to see. But what will be even cooler is to see like palm recognition on your phone, maybe as like an option. You know, when your phone's sitting on a table and you want to unlock it and you can't because like, you're looking down in face ID or you're trying to use a fingerprint, but fingerprints aren't there anymore because Apple took out touch ID. Having a screen facing up and putting your palm over it to identify your hand. I think that's a really cool technology. I'd be really excited to see where they go with it. We saw like some companies, I think it was LG, have this like technology where it could like see the veins in your hand and then you could like control the phone by like putting your hand over it and making certain motions. Yeah, so that. I think there's definitely potential. That was a little little gimmicky, but I think it could be really cool to just put your palm above your phone and use that same technology, but have it unlock your phone. So I'm really excited. I think that there's so many cool tech innovations happening. Yesterday, the ROG Phone 5 was just announced and that looks really cool. There's so many different technology brands coming out with stuff. March is going to be insane. There's a lot of tech coming this month. So I don't know, but this is just a cool addition. And I think in general, Amazon and just like the grocery store idea is really, really interesting. They didn't plan it to be COVID and it's not ideal even to go to a grocery store like during COVID because there's so many other people there but it's really cool that you could just like walk out of the store and like it checks you out versus having to like be in touch with a cashier or something. Yeah I think it's really really cool and I like the way that these new grocery stores have been setting up and have been getting themselves prepared for when it comes to COVID just being safer and I guess just being smarter about everything. I, I think that's really really cool. I'm really excited to see where it goes. Me too. It's definitely something that I like this week. I also saw this week on Twitter an FPV drone shot and we were just talking about FPV drones before. They filmed it flying through the air and then inside a bowling alley and all indoors and it was just like whoever flew it is a genius i sent it to the tms guys huge they're huge fpv guys they were the people that exposed me to fpv like i didn't even know it existed until i watched one of their videos mm -hmm. they were like mind blown too i mean it's so impressive for anyone that wants to see it i'll link it in like the show notes that's the first one for me this week for stuff we like this week i'll throw it to you something i liked this week was wandavision anyway i finally sat down and i watched wandavision so i've been following it week by week it's nine episodes it's one season it's literally just a mini like a mini tv series and i watched the first episode the second episode third episode all the way to the sixth episode and then i stopped watching because i got i started getting lazy to just sit down and watch them every week so then i sat down with one of my roommates and we literally binge 
binged all nine episodes in three nights. It was so good. I so recommend if you are a Marvel fanatic in any capacity, or if you've just, if you've seen like some of the Avengers movies and some of like the individual ones here and there, watch it. Like it was incredible. The way that they told that story and the way that they, they did everything from the sitcoms to the, to the, the, the characters, it's just really well done. Marvel, Disney, fantastic job. I am so excited for the Winter Soldier and the Falcon, but this week, my stuff we like this week, it has to go to WandaVision, my first one at least. That's a really good one. I'm definitely going to check that out. My second one this week is actually kind of crazy. Someone made an MBT, or I know actually who made it, Connor. This is Connor's third mention on the podcast. He made a YouTube channel called MBT Fam, and it's basically like fan content, and I use fan like in quotes because I don't really think I have fans in that way, but it's basically like viewer content around nothing but tech. Like I was featured in a magazine last week, which was also unreal and like just a huge honor. Huge congratulations again for that. That was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no, Josh is like the first person that texted me about it. <laughs> Thank you, my guy. But yeah, it was it was really cool actually. So they like made a video about that. And then today, Kyle, who's like a member of like MBT fam, made a video about all the hidden references in this month's logo. Wow. And that was just like so cool for me to see because like I never would have thought when I started my channel, like six years ago that people would be making content about the channel. She's like unreal. So I'll also link that in the show notes. Did he get all the hidden references or were there any missing? To be fair, he missed two, but one of them he would not have gotten until he actually sees like the animation. So I can't fault him for that. And it's basically all revealed on the podcast. The theme for this month is March Madness. In the center of the logo, there's like the basketball, but like in the actual animation, we have like brackets come in from like each side and they connect to the MBT logo in the middle. I'll send it to you so you can see. Okay, that made a lot more, a lot, lot, lot more sense. Plus you're also an avid basketball basketball player right you like basketball so yeah that that adds up a lot i i did not i was wondering why it was broken down like a march madness like type of like bracket yes, system that's literally why because that's the theme so he missed that but i don't really fault him but the thing that was actually like in the logo that no one got was this month i actually did two hidden references from people in the community like i had people send stuff in mm-hmm. someone sent in hot wheels so there's a car in the logo that represents like one of my favorite songs getaway car but it also is like shaped like a hot wheels car okay it represents that i think that's pretty sick otherwise he nailed it he got like eight out of nine of them. That's also a ton of hidden references. And the fact that he got eight out of nine of them, I, I, huge. So impressive. Commend you hugely, guy. That's honestly insane. And the fact that you have a YouTube channel where they're making content about you, like, yo, I'm going to do it into the, into the mic. Luke, Luke, do the audience clapping thing. Like, yay. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you, Connor, and everyone else that's worked on that. I think it's like a community project, so he's not the only one doing it. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's my second one for this week. Throw it back to you. I would actually go and say Drake. So Drake released three new songs this week. Did he? Yeah, he oh God, uh, dropped three songs. There is rumors that one of the songs is kind of uh, shading Kanye and Kim's uh, divorce, which is, uh, that's an interesting one because there have been a lot of allegations against him and Kim for a very long time. So that was very interesting. But he released three new songs, one featuring Rick Ross, one featuring baby and one just him and I liked him all but I'm also a huge Drake fanboy for some reason and I, I attest that to me just being from the GTA like being from the greater Toronto area like I just I love Drake but yeah so huge shout out to him fantastic three songs I really liking where his music has been going like lately it's kind of felt more like his roots and kind of liked it but yeah that's a recommendation this week go check it out what's next is one of the three and it was really really good highly recommend it my last one for this week is actually kind of related to music I recently became friends with this guy named Alex Brenda I think his last name is it goes by Alex B on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Darsh, we were actually in a clubhouse with him. Oh. Yeah, so I found his channel like three months ago. He did a reaction to Driver's License and it got recommended to me and I was just so impressed with him. He had like less than a thousand subscribers at the time. I DM'd him on Instagram. We became like good friends. Now he's like just surpassed 10,000 and I'm not even kidding when I say I think he'll hit like a million in the next year or so. That's insane. His editing is on point. His retention on his videos is like 70 to 80%. Wow. Like it's unreal. He's so talented mm-hmm. and he's also a really nice guy. Like we chatted a bunch on Clubhouse and we like DM a lot. So if you guys want to check him out for music reactions, and he also live streams all the time and like shares his playlist and his 
his music taste is impeccable. So I'll also link him below if you guys want to check him out. That sounds dope. And my last stuff I like this week is going to go to drumroll. I don't really care about the drumroll. It's actually going to go to bubbly water. Okay. Not bubbly, like sparkling. Well, I mean, it is sparkling water, but bubbly water is in like the company bubbly that creates sparkling water. I, I don't know why it was just a recent thing. Like in the summer, I was drinking Perrier every now and then. And I was like, oh, this is kind of nice. And then my roommates introduced me to just having sparkling water on a daily basis. I'm like, oh, wow, this is this is kind of cool. And, and now, I, now I drink like two or maybe sometimes three if I'm really feeling it. Bubbly waters. If you guys don't know what it is, it's basically just sparkling water. There's different flavors you can get for it. I'm drinking currently lime. I just finished it. It's what I've been drinking all episodes instead of coffee because I already had three today. It's fantastic. Do they taste like super flavored? No, it's like water, but like with a slight little like, so this one's lime. So it's like, a, it's like refreshing. It's like more like a refreshing flavoring than it is like a Sprite, if you know what I mean. Like it's not like Sprite. It's more like lemon water. Interesting. Okay. I have to try it. Yeah. You were telling me there's like all these like social campaigns around it. I have never heard of it before. Oh, yo, Michael Buble. It's, it's all over. Like all my YouTube ads were like for like, I think like a solid two, three months. Him talking about bubbly water and him being like, no, it's Buble water or something like that. It, really? it, was, it was some joke like that. And I was just like, this is really cool. It's funny. Anyway, I highly recommend it. If you guys want to check it out, go check it out and let me know. Tweet me. You guys know my Twitter handle. I've dropped it like five times this episode, plugging myself left and right. Today. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for this episode, guys. Let us know what you think. Huge shout out to Adil Constantine for the incredible intro and outro music. And Luke, you got to tell Darshan how to pronounce your name. We always butcher it, so I'm not even going to attempt it. But Luke is our incredible friend and editor. We'll link him in the show notes as well. He just does like an incredible job with every single episode. And he's a great guy. So Thank you, both of you guys, for making it possible. Dark, thank you for just being, like, the best partner crime co-host ever. Same goes, man. Thank you for being the best co-host. You guys don't realize how awesome this is. Like, on a weekly basis, just to sit down and talk tech, I never get to do this with literally anyone else because no one cares enough to talk about tech with me other than Jacqueline. Huge shout out to you, man. Dude, the feeling's mutual. Yeah, all right, well, <laughs> literally, like, this is my hour of tech. Yeah, all right. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you next week, Monday, 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern. Yes, sir. 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern. See you guys next week. Bye-bye.